do you ever stop and wonder and ask yourself, does it matter? In my life, am I making any difference? I certainly wonder about this some days, and I imagine that you do too. And it's a good thing to wonder about as painful or troubling as this wondering could be, because if you keep coming back with no, or I don't think so, then it might be time to make some changes, right? Because you do hope to make a difference while you're here, don't you? But I have to put a footnote of caution when I say that, because our culture, with its tendency towards individualism and hero worship, it can make us think that if we're not doing something really big, then we're not doing anything at all, right? We just heard this wondering in the accomplished poet Jane Hirschfield's reflection on her work. And I appreciate the fact that someone who's published and pretty well known in her field would still wonder about the value of her work. When she said, I can't say how a poem can offer a useful reply to the crises of biosphere and justice we now know and live through? How can poetic language serve actual hunger, address actual damage? You could ask the same question about our gathering here right now and many of the ways we gather here as a community or in small groups. And Jane Hirschfield says, yet poems do feel to me, if not answers, then responses that are grounding are saving. Poems, soffer, poems soften fears, fixities, and despairs, immobility, return the heart-mind to openness and the possibility for change that come with the knowledge of interconnection and shared fate. I find this heartening because what she describes isn't that different than what we're doing here in this faith community. Isn't this what happens when we gather for worship or to feed people or to listen to one another? Returning the heart-mind to openness and the possibility for change that comes with the knowledge of interconnection and shared fate. It is easy to fall into despair these days because the news and the internet is so focused on what's wrong and what's broken. I take heart in the fact that each day people get up and do their work helping others, repairing what is broken, raising families, teaching children, 
can we take heart that our efforts and our care, they are for something. And most of this is invisible. It's happening very quietly in a very ordinary way. And it is so needed and such a blessing. Many years ago, Bobby Kennedy said, it is from numberless diverse acts of courage and belief that human history is shaped. Each time a person stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strikes out against injustice, they send forth a tiny ripple of hope. And crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring, these ripples build a current that can sweep down the mightiest wall of oppression and resistance. These tiny ripples of hope. What we can't see is that they join with other tiny ripples of hope and build a current that can sweep down the mightiest wall of oppression and resistance. We don't always get to see the end result of our work. Maybe more often we don't. So we are called and we have to hope and trust and have faith that what we have to offer is for something. Like those words that I put at the top of the order of service today from Marge Piercy, Greek amphoras for wine or oil, Hopi vases that held corn are put in museums but you know they were made to be used. And then the lines that I didn't really have room for. The pitcher cries for water to carry and a person for work that is real. Over the years, I have become increasingly aware that the work of ministry is not a solo enterprise. It can't be done alone, and it shouldn't be done alone. And it calls us beyond heroic individualism and into shared effort and experience and celebration. We're talking this month about shared ministry. And I know, because I've heard several of you say this, that you have some resistance to that word, ministry. Maybe you think if you're doing that, I'm going to come up and say, hey, put this on or start talking to you in overly pious ways. But I hope you know better than that. But if it doesn't feel right to you, I wonder if you have a better word. This is a shared project. And I certainly don't want anybody to be excluded from the work because the word, the label doesn't feel right. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't ever want that to become a sticking point. So off the top of your head, or maybe you've thought about this, but if you have a thought, what would you call this shared ministry if you didn't want to call it ministry? What would you call what we're already doing, but that we're also looking to dig deeper into? Is there a better word? Anybody, anybody have something they want to say out loud? 
shared fellowship, shared kinship, shared community, sustenance, shared sustenance, shared work, being helpers, shared service, shared, shared love. Shared friendship. Shared sharing. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. Ron said, uh, I think we forget all the different meanings of the word ministry. And then I won't be able to, but there's a lot in there. Um, <laughs> choosing the right dumpster. You mean for putting our trash into, like, so we don't put it in Calvary's dumpster, or we? Thank you, thank you, beloved treasurer of the church, Carolyn Hart, <laughs> who certainly has a beautiful ministry of helping us keep our financial act together. Um, this is a lovely conversation, and I think we should probably uh, find a time to, to have more of it. Um, anybody else? I will, I will gather these from the recording and, and, and write them down. Um, last Sunday, we heard um, words from a sermon by Martin Luther King, Jr., in which he said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. And as some of you already named, some of you were, it was either behind what you said or it was in what you said that a healthy and vital congregation is one in which people can easily find ways to serve, where you can offer what it is that comes naturally to you and what you're good at. If you're outgoing, could you help as a greeter on Sunday morning? You just have to get here a few minutes early. If you like to cook, do you know about community meals where we feed hungry people twice a month? If you have passion for justice and activism, we really need you in our social justice efforts, which haven't been very organized since the disruption of COVID. If you're smart about organizing, come see me. <laughs> because we could use you in a number of ways. From rethinking how we do coffee hour to getting our act together, helping newer folks find their place here. 
I hope this is also a community where you could feel like it's okay to take a risk to try something that is a stretch for you. I'm thinking of one of you a few years ago who said yes to being the chair of our board and came to me and said, I do not know if I have the skills for this or not, but I'm willing to try. And this person was an excellent board chair and we needed them that year. And I have to say, hearing all this talk about shared ministry, I hope you're not thinking, oh, he's getting old and tired. He's getting old and tired and he's hoping that we're gonna take on parts of his job. I'm certainly getting older, we all are, but I'm not tired. There's a little children's book. Little Bear was not tired, not tired at all. Remember that book? And shared ministry is not about you doing more so I get to do less. That's not what it's about at all. It's about expanding our ways of caring for one another and for making ours a better world because there's so much need that we could try to address. But if all of this makes you feel tired or overwhelmed because it's all you can do in these days to just get yourself to church on Sunday morning or to get here on Zoom or to get your children here, if in your life right now you are straight out just handling your job and your commitments and your life right now, if what I'm saying makes you worry that it's not okay to just come to church for an hour a week in order to rest, then please hear me. Because if that's where you're at in your life right now, we are here to hold open a space for you where you can be still for a time and hear the invitation of this moment to rest here, to be spiritually fed here, to feel renewed and restored for what waits for you out there in your demanding life. Maybe we are helping to support the ministry that you are doing already out in the world whether you call it ministry or not. So I hope this church offers you some comfort, some solace, some inspiration for the living of these days. And so above all, please don't hear my invitation to shared ministry as something that makes you ask if you belong here, because right now you just don't have any more time to give. I hope you know that your presence here, each of you, wherever you're at in your lives, is a gift here. It's a gift to this community and certainly a gift to me, more than you know. One that I don't take for granted. Our gathering here on Sunday morning is a reminder to me, and I hope it is to you, that this present moment is holy that having one another as companions is a gift and a blessing. And we are here to embrace and enjoy and live into this moment 
as best we can while we are here. A few nights ago, I had a dream. I was here in this dream in this sanctuary, standing right over there near the piano. I was in conversation with a woman, and it wasn't clear who this person was, but I'm thinking now it had to be you, Lisa. (laughs) We were talking about music, talking about putting on a performance here of Handel's Messiah. (laughs) And Lisa, you were going to sing. You were somehow magically going to do all of it. And I was so glad that this was going to happen because you know how much I love Handel's Messiah. And somehow I just figured you got it all covered. (laughs) But then in this same dream, I suddenly, or I gradually started to have this awareness that there were all these parts and one person wasn't going to be able to do it all, not even one magical, magical person. We would need other singers. Usually in Messiah, you have four different soloists, soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. And then I remembered we would need a chorus to sing those big choral parts, probably a little bigger than our small but mighty choir. And then I remembered, oh, right, you need a whole orchestra (laughs) to make that music come to life and to support all those singers, even a trumpet for a couple of the most beautiful pieces. My beautiful dream was running into one roadblock after another, and then I woke up. You know, I think, that dreams come to us as symbolic language. And it wasn't too hard for me to figure out that this dream is about the shared effort and expertise that any worthwhile endeavor does require. We have different gifts here, and we have different talents. We have different parts to play. And we are here to practice, aren't we? To bend and stretch and grow, touching our toes, reaching for the sky, expanding our hearts and our vision into a wider embrace than we thought possible. Joining together to do what we could never accomplish alone. I don't imagine that we will pull off, pull, pull off a full-scale production of Messiah here anytime soon. But so what? That's not what we're here to do. What we're about, the choir sang about it just a few minutes ago. We will learn from each other. Heal one another. Build what is good and true. We will reach out, sing out, make a change. We will show the world what love can do. That's why we're here, dear spiritual companions.
It's called shared ministry or whatever we decide to call it. And it is what we are about. Thank you and bless you for being part of it. Now and forever. Amen.